This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. Well, I am a huge believer in the power of positive affirmations. Um, you know, the words that we do use in our everyday lives affect every aspect of our lives, including our physical health, emotional health, mental health. My guest today, Dr. Jeremy Howick, is the director of the Oxford University Empathy Center. Dr. Howick is here today with us, and he's going to share what research has shown um, him about the relationship between positive words and healing and how optimism can benefit patients recovering from a slew of different illnesses. Dr. Howick, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful to have you with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you, Erica. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this is really cool. I was, I was talking to someone yesterday explaining that you were coming on and that Oxford University has an empathy center. I mean, that in itself is pretty cool. I mean, one of the books that I wrote is um, an adult coloring book for emotional awareness, and it's all about empathy. So I, I just I feel like it's a topic that is not necessarily given the attention that it needs to be given. So Hats off to you all for, for actually having a, a center like that. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you do as a director there? Yeah, sure. So I was inspired by people like you and a, a old colleague of mine called George Lewis, who was a very empathic, positive doctor. And one of his colleagues once said, hey, you know, George, all that positivity you give your patients doesn't really help them, really. So my <laughs> colleague George said, well, well, why don't you do your own trial? The guy said, sure, I'll do a trial, thinking he'd prove it to be nonsense. So he, he gave half his patients a positive consultation, not lying to them, but being extra positive, saying, you know, you're going to get better soon because they usually, they usually will in general right. practice and family practice. Other half, he'd be his usual grumpy self, saying, I don't know what's really wrong with you. This might or might not help. After three weeks, twice as many people who had the positive consultation got better. That mm -hmm. kind of, those things inspired me to do some, some more research of trials like wow. that and to found the center that you mentioned. And we found that the effects aren't always dramatic on average, but positive messages and extra empathy does help in numerous conditions, ranging from pain, patient satisfaction, even to length of stay in the hospital for surgical patients. That is incredible. And, and I believe it. And, and I'm so happy that there are studies out there. I wish, they, wish I could be part of one as well um, to see that effect. Because I, I feel like with my clients, I'm on the front lines of you know the recovery world and seeing... Um, you know, patients for therapy day to day. And I teach groups as well. But you know, and I and I feel like the more positive in terms of how I could help them rewire their thoughts and using language and reframing, reframing like failure into like, you know, failure into courage, like you have courage instead of the fact that you failed or you know, it's it's just changing the the perspective and outlook and how incredibly well people do when they do change their language. And, and it's not even to, to, as, as I speak to you, our communication, but how we communicate with our own thoughts and our own thought habits. That's the thing. I mean, so giving ourselves yeah. positive thoughts is actually right. more difficult than giving others positive thoughts. And right. most of the thoughts we have are subconscious. We're not even aware of them. But if you don't have that positive um, instinct in the first place, you won't even bother starting anything. So I know your book, Rewired, which I read and I loved, I mean, no, thank you. if someone doesn't think they have any, you're welcome, doesn't think they have any chance of changing, if there's no positive belief at all, they won't even bother starting the journey. And of course, if you don't start the journey, you can never finish it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so is, is, is awareness key or, I mean, I mean, we have so, we have so much to talk about because I want to talk about both sides of this, but, um, in, in terms of people that are patients, let's say that are, that benefit from this and that are dealing with, um, ailments, whether that's an illness or depression or a car accident or, you know, there's so many things that happen in our lives. So many emotional waves, if you will. Um, you know, how can we begin to train our brain for, for a healthier dialogue and, and for, you know, to see in, in every life experience, we can extract a positive message or lesson, can we, you know? Yes, absolutely. So these kinds of things that many people talk about, what, what I've done is I've, they're considered to be fuzzy. I've used the main tool of modern medicine, the randomized mm-hmm. trial and systematic reviews of randomized trials to investigate these things and see what, whether they work. And as I mentioned before, my review had found 22 trials with thousands of patients showed that when doctors give positive messages, it can mm-hmm. improve patient outcomes. The other discipline, if you want to do it to yourself, give yourself a positive message, the discipline's called positive psychology, and they've got lots of wonderful exercises. One mm-hmm. of my favorites is called the best possible self-exercise. So you just take a few minutes to write down how you'd the love your life to be. best possible self, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, best possible self. You take a few minutes to write down how you would love your life to be and you visualize how this would be in one year or two years mm-hmm. and then really think about and visualizing it. Just the act of writing, writing that down often improves people's mental health. And then, of uh, course, once uh, you have that vision, you can take actual positive steps towards achieving it. Yes, absolutely. And manifesting it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, so I, I wrote another book that will be published this November called The Rewired Life. And this this book is a lot about um, emotional awareness, changing our thought habits and being aware of our narratives. So it's 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 a little bit about sleeping and exercise, nutrition, co- communication, technology, um, authenticity. You know, there's so many topic topics that we we discuss, but it all in the context of how we relate to these subject matters. So, you know, um, our, our narrative around sleep, our narrative around love, our narrative around trust and relationships, you know, and all these narratives come from usually a place, um, of somewhere near our childhood, if not in our, in our childhood, um, society, culturally, we pick up messages all the time as a man, as a woman. Um, and so the, my book is going to explore that a little bit and how we can start to rewire our thought habits, um, around that. And, and I think one of the, the main things that, that we did, that I am proud to we included after every chapter was affirmations, because I, I, I think oh. what we're talking, what you just mentioned now, manifesting things, affirming things, positive words. So every, so for people out there that are not, that are listening, that aren't familiar with this word affirmation, can you explain a little bit about the power of affirmation, that it is really positive words is really what it comes down to. But can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I look at that in two different ways. Let me take a step back. You mentioned relationships yeah. because these are things that we all believe are great. Obviously, it's, obviously it's good to have good relationships, but having strong connections with people can mm-hmm. add five years to your life. By wow. contrast, being socially isolated takes away five years from your life. So being isolated is as bad as smoking. So it's important yeah. for us to kind of put down our screens sometimes and connect with good people. And we all have yes. access to good people or, or groups if we want. Now talk about the affirmations. Yes, the way I look at it is a two-step process. First of all, it is kind of de- deconnecting from those negative thought patterns that we all have. I face them. In fact, I got yes. into this research because I used to get way too anxious before mm-hmm. my rowing races. 
And so to oh. deconnect from those thoughts, I learned some kind of relaxation techniques. And what the relaxation technique does is just gets you from going moving backwards. The negative thoughts are taking us backwards. They, re- they rarely help. It's good yeah. to kind of have an objective assessment. If something bad happens, sure, think about it for a bit, talk to a few people, but then you have to move on. R- ruminating about it just keeps you stuck in the past and stops you from moving on. So the first step is relax, be mindful, and get into neutral. And then to move into forward gear, yes, the affirmations, you know, because it's, in a way it's kind of tricking your subconscious brain by telling it, just repeating things is the easiest way to kind of convince yourself of, of something. So, you know, right. if you want to feel happier, telling yourself you feel happier will eventually lead to yourself feeling happier. Yes, yes. And and I think it does change our neural pathways too. Um, these these positive thoughts and positive affirmations and in, in language, um, you know, like that. So let's, can we talk about your personal then uh, experience around this too, a little bit, if you don't mind? I mean, it, it's always lovely Not to hear. No. Yeah. Lovely to hear when the, the researcher, the author, the doc, the doctor, I mean, somebody <laughs> who's doing the work has personal experience. I think, I think it's fascinating. Our audience does love to connect, you know, relate and it's nice to kind of uh, connect with you on that level. Sure, I'll tell you two stories. One, how I got into it, and yeah. one about just right now this summer. Uh, so I got into this because I, I was a pretty good rower, but I, was, I didn't. My first time that I tried out for the Canadian rowing team. Well, what is rowing? I'm minute. sorry. We, yeah, oh, I'm, I just don't. R- rowing. Oh, rowing. 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 I'm sorry. Rowing. Yes. Sorry. My yeah. funny Canadian accent, the rowing. <laughs> no, it's so okay. Row, I just. Um, I know there's some maybe, you know, different uh, sport leagues out there. So, yes. Yes. So I tried out for the Canadian team and failed. And one reason I thought I failed, Erica, was because I would burn out before the race even started, the tryout, because I'd be so nervous. All these uh-huh. negative thoughts, what if I don't make it and so on. So mm-hmm. I sought out, I, I looked for a traditional yoga teacher. I didn't want a yoga where I learned all the poses. The poses are wonderful, but I didn't need to be physically fitter. I was pretty fit. Yeah. So I found a guy called Dr. Bally who taught me the relaxation techniques. This allowed me to kind of partly control my mind. So if I started to think thoughts that were negative, leading to me using up all my energy before the race even started, I would do certain things, certain techniques, breathing techniques and relaxation techniques to just calm myself down. Now, Mm. most high-level athletes find some way of doing doing this, either through yoga or mindfulness, Uh or they just do it naturally. And Mm. more recently, um, I had my first child on June 29th. His name is Sebastian. Mm. He's in the other room now. He's not crying, which is good for us. Oh, and lovely. yeah, so that's been a real challenge because, you know, I'm fatigued. And when I'm fatigued, my wife is fatigued. She, we're both tired, exhausted. I tend to get kind of irritable. So that was, I had to kind of learn to, you know, that was two things. One is it was a challenge. I had to challenge my own beliefs. I was telling, here I am telling everyone else to relax and be mindful and kind of um, be kind and use positive thoughts. And in this challenging situation where you're up all night, baby's crying, um, wife is telling me what to, what to do because she needs me to help and so on. Um, so I used that instead of thinking of it as a negative thing. I said, well, what a beautiful opportunity. So adversity became to me an opportunity. How can right. I um, right. use this challenge to really deepen my practice and positive thoughts? Um, mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, I wasn't perfect. Far from it. I made a lot of mistakes. But this the, the right attitude, having a positive attitude towards it, you know, hey, look at this mm-hmm. wonderful opportunity to prove that I can actually live what I tell other people to do. Um, mm-hmm. Just that positive thought alone got me through some of the tough little 
um, nights and so on. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's yeah. so, I'm, I'm happy you said that. Cause I think being aware that, uh Oh, I'm spiraling, I'm catastrophizing. I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm moody. I'm, I'm seven months pregnant. So I'm, I'm embarking on a journey. I'm having a boy wow. as well <laughs> in a couple weeks. Bless yeah. You. So, yeah. So I mean, it's an exciting time as well. And, and I, and I, and I'm just starting to, um, I'm just starting to have some thoughts that are a little bit based around anxiety. And so, you know, for me, naturally, okay. I'm good at I'm good at catching myself and I'm good at it reframing and saying, Erica, let's look at this like what we're going to gain, not what you're going to lose, you know, and, and all these little tricks that I have as yeah. well. Um, but I think until the actual, uh, you know, lifestyle or life change comes and, and your lifestyle changes, um, then, then the challenge really is there. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm trying not to anticipate it, I guess, as much and look at it like an adventure with some curiosity, um, instead of, you know, those other words like fear or, uh, stress. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no, it I mean, is important. The worry is like a chewing bubble gum to try to solve a math problem. It doesn't get you anywhere. You're better off right. thinking about it. What can I do? The answer for right. you for healthy is probably nothing. Nothing you can do. You're prepared for it. Um, and then, like I said, the, the, the mantra to me was, you know, adversity is an opportunity. Whenever something tough came yes. up, okay, now what can I, it's an opportunity for me to grow. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. What a great mantra. I love that. A great mantra. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Yeah. So breathing techniques you mentioned, um, you know, and, and I have, you know, I do a lot of, uh, groups and I, and I just started doing corporate workshops this summer for a big company called Salesforce. And, um, I, a lot wow. of the, a lot of what I was doing with their employees, I was going from different Salesforce offices all over the United States. I was also in Canada, um, was we were talking about cognitive distortions. We were talking about all the cognitive distorted thoughts that we we can endure that we probably do endure, like you mentioned earlier, and we're not even conscious of them. You know, we're one of them is one of them is the catastrophizing, which you explained the what ifs, you know, so what if I don't win this? Yeah. You know, what if I don't get this spot on the team? What if I don't get the job? What if she doesn't like me? What if he doesn't like me? And, and like you said, we become frozen in fear. Our energy is zapped. Um, you know, we're not as effective as we, we could be, you know, another one is the shoulds. Um, you know, I should have done this. I should have done that. People sit in a lot of the, the past of how they have failed themselves. And so, you know, it's just, it's good for people to be aware that these cognitive, um, thoughts do go on. And, and what my question to you is, is how can we, you know, bring the subconscious up and out so that we, understand that this is going on instead of just feeling totally panicked all the time. Cause I have a lot of my clients feel anxious and stressed and panicked. And then they turn to alcohol or drugs or overeating or gambling or shopping online or something else to distract themselves from this feeling yes. that, yeah. So do you have well, any the, advice? The bad yeah. thing about the mind is that it's out of control. The first thing you learn when you meditate is that, is that you have, probably have crazy thoughts. I certainly do. Most people have, you think you're nuts when you first start watching your thoughts. They arise and they kind of, the holy mm -hmm. smokes, what just happened there. Right. So we all have, the first thing, we, we all have these thoughts. Um, it's hard to measure thoughts, but people who have measured them find that there's, the ranges between 50 and 90%, they say are negative thoughts. Now these negative thoughts are rarely productive. So the question is, how do we get rid of them? Um, you can't, get rid of them by fighting them. The first step is just to relax and focus on something different. So when you're relaxing, mm -hmm. your body your body and your mind are connected. So when your body's mm -hmm. relaxed, your mind won't be anxious and vice versa. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. So the relaxation techniques are really, really important. And that's the first step. The other way to do it is to, the mind can't do two things at once. So if I tell you right now, don't think about a red monkey, you just thought about a red monkey, even though I told you not to. You yeah. can't help it. So if you focus, focus on a breathing technique. So one, I, one that I do is focus on breathing in for a count of four or five or six, and then breathe out for a count of four, five, or six. Mm-hmm. Just doing that counting will take your mind away from the negative thing and towards at least something not negative. And that's the idea behind, it's one of the reasons why things like prayer help. People, when you're praying, mm-hmm. you're saying whatever, whatever religion it, it may be, you may be using, yeah. using a different mantra, that'll take your mind away from these negative ruminating thoughts and towards something more positive, and eventually, in the higher stages of meditation, towards some place where you're just kind of creating and manifesting and so on, your own thoughts and your own choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What great advice. I, thank you for giving us that example, because even something like that simple, anybody could do, as you were saying, breathing in, I did it myself. So, and it does feel good. And and I think a lot of the times we just forget to breathe in general. So that is a nice oh, way yeah. to kind of get into that. Yeah. Can we talk it's about easy, your... Really easy one too. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, go, no, 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 go, go on. on. We, we, I won't forget. I won't forget. Yeah. There's an even easier breathing technique is to let out a sigh. A sigh is the body's natural way of stress relief. So we take a, people can take a deep breath in, hold the breath for a moment, just one second or two, then let out, let out a sigh. Ah, they'll feel better right mm. away. Yeah, that does feel better. It really, it, it, it's like something drops away, you know, which is really yeah. incredible. Exactly. Um, and little tools like this, we just have to incorporate like routinely so that it becomes habitual, you know, and then we, so we don't forget to do these things. Exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you yeah. about your book about Dr. You, right? Yes. Well-being. Yeah. I, I want to, yeah. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about the book and, and maybe where people could find it and, and how you got into, you know, how, how, why you wrote it basically? Yeah, I wrote it because I do all this academic research. I've got almost 100 academic publications, and I got frustrated because I went into research because I wanted to improve people's health. But yeah. most of these academic articles, most people couldn't understand. So what I've done is I've translated my research into a language using stories people can understand. And the mm-hmm. way I got into it um, initially, besides the rolling story, which I've just shared, is mm-hmm. at some point I got an allergy to cats. And yeah. I didn't want to take the nasal spray the doctor gave because it had said corticosteroid on the label. I was yeah. rowing, doing sports. I didn't want to get a positive drug test. Yes. So I tried a herbal doctor. Now, I thought the herbal doctor wouldn't work at all, but she gave me some ginger tea and it worked. And that got my kind of academic wow. mind rolling. Was mm. the ginger tea really effective or was it a placebo effect? And that got me on this journey that culminated in, in the publication of this book. It's been published or being published in seven languages, and it's quite easy to find on Amazon and all the normal bookstores, Barnes & Noble, etc. And, um, yeah, it's out in hardback now, paperback coming out soon. Oh, fantastic. That's so fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, we, we, you know, Western and Eastern medicine hardly ever uh, mix in this country, at least in the, in the U.S., but um, it is, it's important people do research on their own, I think, and, and really seek out healers. I mean, this is why I love this platform of having a podcast, too, because we've had some incredible people on that um, have shed 
light into to other ways of healing, whether that is from an allergy or whether that is from, um, you know, any ailments and, and from stress and all these ways. And so there's such a plethora of information out there that I just urge everybody to buy, the, buy the book like this and, um, you know, keep on, keep on going because we're also individually wired and what works for one person may not work for another. Exactly. And what you're talking about, rewiring the brain, there's a chapter about that, actually, in, in the book. Oh, great. Um, I'm sad I didn't read the book before. I would have mentioned it. But we used to believe the brain was hardwired. That once you're born with it, you can't change it. And it is right. difficult to change things. We all know that. But uh, research in the last 30 years showed that clearly you can change your brain and you can change your DNA by engaging in different behaviors and different thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. That's the basis of, of my, my work as well, my writing as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing, too, I mean, in terms of recovery and recovering from something, you know, that's, this is what I deal with. It's when you see how, like, habits create pathways, you know, and so if I start smoking yeah. at 13 years old and I start you know, hanging out with people who are negative and I start, um, you know, my self-esteem drops and all of this, it's going to change the DNA and I'm going to enter my uh, young adulthood with a set of uh, thought patterns, a set of beliefs um, that don't maybe serve me, habits that don't serve me. And so this is where my clients come in in their mid-20s, most of them, um, the not all, but the majority, with, with, you know, from a good 10 years from their teenage years with these, you know, kind of experiences that have shaped them in not such healthy ways. And then, you know, giving them some hope that, Hey, Hey guys, you know, your brains are very plastic and we can, we could start to change them and create new pathways. And I do this analogy of being in a forest and, and I won't get into the analogy right now, but, but it it really does, it it does shake them to their core. And I can't believe sometimes that, you know, 20 year olds believe that they're unchangeable. And they really, you know, it takes them a while to see after I put them on a schedule of sleeping and and eating and exercising and meditation and the positive thoughts and addressing, you know, spiritual health and all these things, they start to really see, wow, I, I am, I am changing. My identity is changing. And that is the key for me. That is the break, the breakthrough and the freedom is when they see themselves as healthy men and women, when they've been seeing themselves as, junkies and, and, you know, losers and whatever else that the the negative, you know, the negative uh, self-talk that is going on. Exactly. And the key there is that believing you cannot change is a negative belief. Right. Um, And without, maybe without knowing it, Erica, what you've done is the World Health Organization in 1948 defined health as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, not Mm -hmm. merely the absence of disease. So, what you're doing is you're taking yeah. these different aspects, connecting the mental health with the physical health. You can't dis- disconnect those two. They're connected. Right. And similarly, right. you can't connect. I mean, if you're no matter how healthy you are physically, mentally, if your social networks are very negative and toxic, it'll be mm-hmm. difficult to have a healthy lifestyle. So Absolutely. these things are kind of promoted by the World Health Organization, yet somehow they get lost to many people in the modern medical system. Now, I'm not against modern medicine. I love it. But... It's just like red wine might be good for you if you have a glass or two, but 10 glasses of red wine is too much. That's what modern medicine is now. We're all taking too much of it. The U.S. is spending so much money on it that the U.S. military has contacted me because they're worried that spending on health care is becoming a threat to national security. And meanwhile, life expectancy is going down. So Mm. we have to tap into these kind of other aspects of healing that are more natural and in, in the long run, much less 
costly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And that's, we could talk about that for another whole show because there's so much, there's, there's so much going on around that too. It's just unbelievable. Well, I hope we um, do we, one day. Yes, I hope we do. Well, let's definitely do that for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so D- Dr. Jeremy Howick, uh, just one last time, want to just give everybody your information so they could find you. Uh, thank you for being on. It was such a pleasure. It's so insightful. And I, I admire and um, appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm a big fan of yours as well. Aww. Well, so let's, so is it Jeremy, it's jeremyhowick.com. Is that the best way for them to get a hold of or to, to find out more about you and to, you know, if they want more information on the book and, and everything you're doing? Yes. Yeah, okay. The book is called Dr. You, and it can be found on, on Amazon and all normal booksellers. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you, Jeremy, so much. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us today, and stay well.